I would like to talk today about the depth of love. God says this about his people. This people honor me, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart, help me out, is far from me. The emphasis is not on what we say. The emphasis is our heart. Now, do we understand that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked? So it's a little bit confounding to think, all right, how is somebody truly going to believe me when I say I love you? How is God going to know the depth of love? The Bible says this, the fruit of the Spirit is, first one listed is what? And it goes on and lists eight others, other fruit of the Spirit. And what I like about it is, is against such there is no law. Can you imagine if a law in the United States of America came and, and when, when a lady had a, a, a newborn, uh, the police came in and said, now there's a law, you have to love your child. Sounds kind of foolish because it's pretty natural for a mom not to be made to love her child. It's just, I'm going to feed the child. I'm going to change the child. I'm going to take care, of, take care of the child. Some things are just natural. Are you with me? And it ought to be natural, child of God, for us not to have to be commanded to love God. But why is it we're so quick to depart from the love of God. So here's a couple questions this morning. What is it that you say you love? Who is it that you say you love? Again, we throw that word around, oh, I love basketball, or I love chocolate, or I love coffee, or I love fill in the blank. We throw that word around, don't we? So here's the next question. Why do you love what you love or why do you love who you love we've had a couple recent engagements ah hopefully more to come right guys amen Amen. all right matthew (laughs) thank you (laughs) ladies be on the watch out here comes matthew And if I were to ask this today, do you love God? I think 100% of this crowd would nod their head in agreement saying, I love God. Amen? I I think it's safe to say. But what causes you to love God? It's a good question. I've been married this May. It'll be 24 years. And I remember when... I don't know, 25, 26 years ago when I told my wife to be, I love you. And she didn't smack me, praise the Lord for that. She responded in a way as to say the same thing, I love you. That was a a wonderful thing. But I say this, what I've seen over the years is it's pretty easy for us to dwell in this world of what I call shallow love. I I struggle when I hear people say, I love God, and a year later, they're not in church. 
You know what I'm talking about. You've been in church long enough. Or People say, I love my parents, but so quickly they turn and depart from the love that they say they have for their parents, and they turn quickly and depart when they say they love God. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to stand with you. I'm ready to die for you. That quick, when the heat of the moment came, what did he do along with all the other disciples? He forsook him and fled. Do we not see that across our nation? I don't know, Mr. Schrock. What did you say? 70% of kids don't have a dad in their life now? 70%. And there probably was a moment when that dad said, I love my children, but something drew away his love. And now divorce, you know, people just don't get married because you know what? They pretty much know it's not going to last. And they stand at an altar and they make all kinds of promises and they get all fuzzy feeling when they say, I love you. And then they quickly depart. And I've kind of struggled with why is that the case? Why is it easy for me to say one day, Mom and Dad, I love you, and when maybe something doesn't go exactly the way that I feel like it should, it's easy to push them away and love somebody else maybe a little bit more that day. You with me? And I think this text gives us the answer. I think the difference is, if we have a love based only on favors, it will be shallow love. But if we have a love based on forgiveness, it'll have more depth. And we're going to look at this text. It's just interesting to me as I studied this uh, because, well, we'll just get into it. Luke chapter 7, and this is verses 36 through 48. We'll read the text as I give the points. But there's a little bit of controversy um, on this text. You've got Matthew 26, you've got Mark 14, and you have John 12, and then we have Luke 7. As When you look at it, you'll see kind of a similar story, but there are different details. And it kind of confuses us to think, all right, who is this? Is this the same story? Because after all, the Bible says the books cannot contain the things which Jesus did, right? So I personally believe Jesus could have fed 5,000 five times. I don't know. He could have healed way more lepers than we're aware of. He could have healed a whole lot more blind people. He could have raised more people from the dead. You agree with that? Because the books can't contain the things which he did. So we get into, and we're not going to read Matthew 26, Mark 14, and John chapter 12, but it seems to indicate in all four of these texts that the place of this activity, I personally believe this is the same story, all right? Uh, If you disagree, that's fine because there's other commentaries and way more smart people that believe this is two different instances. I tend to believe it's the same account. But it seems to be clear that the location of this event is in the city of Bethany. This was a place that Jesus often would go. Uh, He had friends. Anybody this morning know whose friends were? Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They were in the city of Bethany. So three of the gospel accounts uh, mention this place as Bethany being the location. Three of the four mention a man by the name of Simon. The problem is that there are nine different Simons mentioned in the Bible. So good luck figuring out which one the Simon is. Two of the four speak about this man, Simon being the actual 
called Simon the leper as being the host. Now, I think it's obvious when people got leprosy, were they able to stay in their homes? No, they had to leave. So I think Simon was called the leper. He's hosting this. But it seems to indicate, as you read, Jesus was in Bethany a whole lot. Simon was there. It seems there's a good indication that Jesus met this leper and took care of business. And Jesus kind of had a knack for doing those type of things. So it's very likely that Simon previously was a leper. He met Jesus. His life was changed. And for some reason, there is uh, somewhat of an acquaintance here because Simon's going to invite Jesus to his home here in just a little bit. The woman. Only one time is her name mentioned, and that's by John. Only one time is her character mentioned, and that's in the text we're going to look at today. I used to think when I read this text, this story was about Mary Magdalene. Because obviously when you read Luke chapter 8, you'll find, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmity, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. And you look and say, ah, I get it. It has to be Mary Magdalene. But I don't think that's the case. There's not really grounds for this particular text in Luke 7 being Mary Magdalene. All four of the Gospels in this story, stay with me, Silas, you all right? All right. All four Gospels mention critics, but it's interesting, all four mention different critics. Matthew mentions the disciples. Mark just says some criticized. Luke mentions Simon and specifically those that sat at the meal. And John only mentions, mentions Judas Iscariot. Two Gospels just simply say she brought an alabaster box. Doesn't say what was in it. Two of the other Gospels mention that there was precious ointment. One specifically mentions an ointment called spikenard, which was very precious. Now, this is where it gets a little bit confusing. Two Gospels mention that she anointed his head. And the other two Gospels mention she anointed his feet. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, are there discrepancies? And we'll look at this if we have time. So let's get to the text, because I believe this is all one story. Luke gives us probably the most detail. Uh, Prior to this text, in verses 29 and 30, it seems to indicate that there was a group of Pharisees that were rejecting the instruction and the teaching of John the Baptist. And may I say this, when you reject the message of God's man, you're ultimately rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. John said this, I am not that light. I come to bear witness of that light. John says this, he must increase I must decrease. He said, I am simply the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So John knew his place. And so when these people rejected the message of John, they were ultimately rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see, number one, Simon's invitation. Look at verse number 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. Why did this man, Simon, desire Jesus to eat with him? 
Again, I stop and think, if he was healed by Jesus, there's got to be some form of appreciation, some form of gratitude in his heart to say, I want to spend a little time, I want to show a little bit of gratitude to somebody that changed my physical destiny. He was also called a Pharisee. Now we know Pharisees had a problem with Jesus, but maybe Simon thought, well, I'm going to get the upper hand. When we have discussions with our Pharisee forum, I'm going to know a little more about Jesus than they do. Because do you, rec- do you remember the name of another Pharisee that came to Jesus by night? So I think there was a lot of controversy about Jesus, but there was also some interest. And maybe Simon thought, you know what? I want to find a little bit more about Jesus. Maybe he wanted to show appreciation. Maybe he thought, you know what? I'm going to get some high accolades because I'm going to be able to have dinner with what they called that prophet. Now, when I was new on staff, I remember uh, we'd have guest preachers come and sometimes our pastor would say, hey, Eric, you want to go out for dinner to lunch or dinner with the guest preacher? And I thought I was big stuff because I got to go sit with Dr. So-and-so or whatever the case may be. And maybe there was a little bit of that. Simon thought, if I have this guest over, for, if I have Jesus over, people are going to lift me up a little bit. So we see the invitation. Number two, though, I call this a sinner's interruption. Look at verse 37 and 38. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, I I sit there and think, awkward Okay, now, now get the setting. I, I have some things that people wrote about this. They did not eat in those days like we did. Okay, we come in, we pull up around the table, we sit down and think how awkward it would be for someone to come down on those round tables down there and be at our feet. A little awkward. Okay, back in those days, they would have their head towards the table. They would be kind of leaning, uh, laying down on a couch of sorts. And so their feet would be behind them. And the setting was when, when people would have guests over, they would kind of, there'd be a, a courtyard area, if you will, or chairs around the outside of the table when prominent people were in. And so people that were not invited to the meals, could come and they could sit and listen to the news of the day. They could listen to the discourse of the day. So it seems to indicate that this lady knew, the Bible says she knew that Jesus was at this meal and she wanted to come again. Bethany's not a real big city, so news spreads pretty fast, even without social media. And so she comes and she interrupts, if you will. I I like to say it this way. Jesus had a way of attracting sinners. Luke 15, the Bible says the Pharisees and scribes murmured because they said this, this man receiveth and eateth, uh, receiveth sinners and eateth with them. If that was the only criticism I'd have, I'd take it. But it's almost like a magnet that will just pick up those particles. Jesus would walk and sinners would come. And, and is that not why he came? I came not to call the righteous but sinners 
to repent us, it would do us well to have the very same focus that Jesus has. And when we're out and about, not attracting sinners to be like them, but attracting sinners to see, to get to him, if that makes sense. A sinner's interruption. Number three, I call this a silent intermission. So we have Simon inviting. Then we have this lady coming in and Simon's watching this take place. Verse 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, this is where I don't believe Simon was converted because he was still uncertain about Christ, although he had been healed. And we'll get to the the thrust of the message here in just a minute. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now, I cannot do the voice of Brother Schwanky when he says, she is a sinner. I can't do it. We'll have Luke do it sometime. All right, but I, I can't do it justice. But here is what Simon indicates. He not only brings up her, her past, he talks about her character. Now, can I say this? People will be quick to bring up our past even when we're trying to do something good. That's frustrating. I don't know how long before this, but we'll see that Jesus not only probably had this meeting with Simon, he also had this meeting with this woman, probably in Bethany as well, because it tells us her sins, which were many way back before, had been forgiven already. So we have two encounters. We have Jesus with Simon the leper, and that transitions to him to to being a Pharisee. That transitions to him being, oh, well, I don't know who this is. He's just a prophet. And now we see a meeting that Jesus had with this sinner, and we're going to see a whole different show of love towards the Savior. Her past comes to light. Luke Writes it. She's a sinner. I think three times. Simon thinks it in his heart. She is a sinner. Jesus says in verse 47, her sins which are many. So here she is trying to serve the Lord. And <laughs> Sinner, 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 sinner. You know what? The problem is man will never forget the sins that we do. But I'm so thankful that he does. You see, the emphasis for Simon was a sinner, but we'll see that she's a, not just a sinner, she's a penitent sinner, and it goes on to tell us she's a pardoned sinner. Amen for that. Then we see the illustration that Jesus gives. So Simon's thinking this in his heart. I can't believe she, he's allowing this abominable woman to touch him. I can't believe this is, and that. And Jesus just says, I'm going to give you an illustration. Verse 40. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon. That's the first time his name comes to light. I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, here it is. He frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. Now, I I ran to Dr. Schreiber and I said, help me out here. That word forgave, what does it mean? And he said, really, it simply means to grant somebody a pardon or to grant somebody a favor. 
Now, I think all of us like to have people do favors for us. I love the fact, even yesterday, I just kind of threw out, hey, I need help. And I had three, four, or five people run up and say, Brother Amos, sign me up. I'd be happy to do that. That's a blessing. And I tell you what, the more people do favors for you, the more it's easy to gravitate towards them, right? You, you with me? But that's, to me, this is where it gets pretty shallow. Because you think about somebody that's in a dating relationship and they're kind of doing favors for one another. And then the favors start to fade a little bit. And guess what happens? Our love starts to wane a little bit. And it's easy for these other relationships to step in because that person does more favors for me. And I do more favors for them. And so if our love is based on favors, it's going to be shallow. That's what that word forgiveness in the story tells us. But let's go on to the last thought, the sinner's demand, or I call it the inspiration. Look at verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon. So now it's directed to Simon. He tells the story. And then he says, Simon, take a look over here. Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss. But this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil, thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she, here it is, she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And the Lord just pricked my heart and says, Eric, you know the reason why you don't love me very much? Because you don't think you're that bad. And I'm blessed to have the grace of God bestowed on me. I'm blessed that His mercies are new every morning. But sometimes my love for God wanes simply because He's not giving me the favors that I want. And I stop and not dwell on the forgiveness that God has. Would it have been a pretty miraculous thing for Simon the leper to be healed? That was a favor. Therefore, to go the next step, well, I'll just be a Pharisee. I'll clean up my life a little bit. He maybe tokenly invited Jesus to his house, but you know, he just did it pretty shallow. Here's a lady, not even in her own home, came, watch me, on purpose, on purpose, on purpose to worship Jesus. So we can invite or we can invest. Let me ask you this. How much do the people you serve in ministries... How much do they feel like you love them? Colt, stay with me. This is for you. Stay with me. Or are we tokenly serving Jesus? I'm guilty of it. I'm not not preaching at you. I'm just saying we say we love the people in our ministries and you spend 10 minutes with them a week. Guilty. I know I say it all the time. What if John, we'll pick on John, 
What if Julianne says, I've got 10 minutes for you a week? He might rejoice. I don't know. I'm joking. But man, I, I see you guys, man. You're like, you come to church because you get to sit by your honey. That's kind of like your purpose. Like, yeah, I get to see her. But I'm talking today about the depth of our love for God isn't just token. And, uh, you know, I'll invite somebody to church, but that's as far as it goes. Here's a lady. It wasn't her home, but she came with a purpose to anoint Jesus' feet. Forgiveness will keep us from holding back in our purpose. We're going to be on it. Forgiveness will keep us from holding back in our place. You know, this same Mary, we find her another time sitting at the feet of Jesus. She had something about feet. Feet are nasty to me. My wife has ticklish feet. And my kids, to annoy her, if she, her feet are sitting up on the ottoman, they'll kind of just take their hand up that direction. Right, Marissa? You don't? Ooh. Titus? And they'll just try to, like, touch your feet. <laughs> Mary had something about feet because when Martha was serving, where was Mary? And I believe this is the same Mary. Now, now watch me close, a different setting. Here's Jesus reclining as he eat. And the Bible says she understood her place. She stood behind him. We kind of want to be in the forefront a lot of times. But here's Mary. And it gives the inclination that servants would stand kind of behind the people as they reclined. And they were kind of at their beck and call. She stood there. She was ready to do something for her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She was weeping. Can I ask you this? When was the last time you poured out tears for a lost soul? And you poured out tears because God just forgave you so much. And your heart just welled up to say, wow, God has forgiven me. God's Change my life. She poured out the ointment and she poured out her heart. Forgiveness will keep us from holding back in our, our passion. And forgiveness will keep us from holding back on our price. It was costly. I've learned this, Brennan, that it's pretty easy to spend somebody else's money. If I'm going to take Brennan out for a meal... And I'm paying for it. We might get the happy meal at McDonald's. But if Ray's paying for it, Longhorn, amen, come on. Yeah, out back and at dinner because it's double the price. All right. Uh, it's easy to spend. But, but she didn't go and find something at Simon's house. This is something that's going to cost me something. Her love for God. I need to be done. But some years ago, there was a guy, he was talking, he worked with psychiatric patients. And he said this, if I could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them would walk out of the hospital the next day. That's the power of forgiveness. But you know what we do? We, we, we beat ourselves up. We sit back, man, this, I can't do this, I can't do this. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, what's the promise? 
He's faithful. That means every single time. But here's the problem. Us church, refined people that have grown up in church, we don't want to go to hell. So what we think is, well, I'm going to get saved. And we never truly see the depth of our sin, how bad it is, how much it did to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we kind of just check it off our list and we don't really think we're that bad. So therefore, the forgiveness of God keeps us in this shallow love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And then it's all based on favors. If, all right, Lord, help me do this. And Lord, give me this. And Lord, bless me. And, and there's this favor and favor. And I'm glad God shows favor. But I really think the depth of our love will go beyond a Simon the leper situation and will go to the, the life of this sinner, if you will. And she just couldn't hold back from showing the love that God had in her forgiveness. A Sunday school teacher had just concluded her lesson and wanted to make sure she had made her point. She said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? There was a short pause, and then from the back of the room, a small boy said, sin? But we're easy, Lord, forgive me for this, forgive me for this. No, we have to realize that we are breaking God's laws. And when we sin, the relationship with God is broken. It's broken. And his very son had his father turn his back on him because he put our sin upon him. And when we can stop and say, oh, Lord, I'm I'm so sorry. I broke your law. And he says, but I'm going to forgive you. What that does is builds that love relationship a whole lot stronger. But you know why people will divorce? No forgiveness. It's all about favors. What can she do for me? And what could he do for me? And you know why? What? It ends up being super shallow. Is your life and your love based on favors? Or is it based on forgiveness? Just something that the Lord kind of was teaching me as I was studying this text. Let's pray. Lord, we sure ask you for favors. I know I do. But I pray that just for a moment we could just ponder your forgiveness. I I talk to a lot of people struggling in their marriages and they're just, they won't forgive. They can't forgive, so they say. But I'm so glad to come today before these young men, young ladies, and remind them that Oh, yes, we're a sinner. And people will be quick to bring it up. But I'm so glad to know that even again at the end of the text, Jesus says, go thy way. Thy sins are forgiven thee. Your faith hath made thee whole. She got another dose of forgiveness. What a thrill. Let us see where we are. Let us see our our, our condition and just plead and come to you regularly asking for your forgiveness. I pray that this would be a help to us today in our love for you. And just let us see the depth of it. Is it based on favors or based on forgiveness?
Would you help us to ponder that today? Would you stand to your feet? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.